Today's episode is sponsored by Meglio. Meglio is a fitness equipment company designed to help you get fitter, faster and more flexible and enjoy the process. With a range of resistance bands, mats, foam rollers, gym balls and more, everything is portable and lightweight so you can use it in whatever space you have available and enjoy the freedom of fitness on your own terms. I absolutely love Meglio and their range, and it's my go-to brand for all of my workout goodies. They have very kindly given my listeners 10% off their product, so head to www.mymeglio.com and use the code MINDSET10. Thank you very much to Meglio. I'm Alexandra Legui. This is Mindset Unfiltered. My guest today is an internationally recognised health and wellness expert for 20 years who helps people redefine well-being in their lives. He was a head trainer on NBC's The Biggest Loser, the expert and host of Sky TV's observational docuseries Obese, A Year to Save My Life and Fat, The Fight of My Life. And he has trained the masses on CBS's Kelly and Michael, Good Morning America and ITV's Good Morning Britain. He was the host of Lifetime's Diet Tribe and a trainer on Oprah's OWN Network, presenting and instructing his Wake Up Workout series. He created Pavelka Wellness and has shared his message and his mission with individuals, families, leaders and teams within organisations to bring awareness and create new behaviours that support overall well-being and create a, a lifestyle for a lifetime. And as if that's not enough, he has a published book called The Programme, which highlights his four elements of health, eat, sweat, think and connect four areas of life that provide a new way to embrace well-being in a holistic and inclusive approach. We delve into it all. Meet Jessie Pavelka. Have you had a good, oh hang on, what time is it there then? It's early isn't it? It's 11, 11 15 a.m. I start early. I started, I had my first call at six so um, you've caught me, what's today? Wednesday. So Wednesdays are my longest days. Oh so. okay. I'm going to try to bring my A game to this. <laughs> is that in your mug that I just saw you drinking? Is that coffee or are you anti-coffee? I am, I am a coffee drinker. And uh, well, I say that I'm a caffeine drinker. I'm anti-coffee to a certain point. I'm pro-coffee if you have one cup. So yeah, for me, it's one to two cups. I'm fine. Once I go over that tipping point, it becomes generalized anxiety. And I, yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I think two, I'll always have two now. It's, I mean, I don't know why even, because it's not even, I have a lot of energy and I don't yeah. need well, it. And if I'm happy and buzzily, buzzing on life, then actually I don't need caffeine at all. And I'm yeah. a terrible insomniac. <laughs> you know what? You know what I love when I'm not drinking caffeine is the ability to have space between me and everything else that's happening. As soon as I drink coffee or tea or, or any kind of caffeine, that space reduces and I start to react and not respond. And so it's, it's one of those things for me where if, if I manage it right, I can be, I can show up and, and feel good about me showing up. If I don't over time, it turns into me not feeling very good about my contribution. So that's, that's kind of me with coffee in a nutshell. That's so true. And you know what? I just had today another podcast with an incredible man called Leonard Perlmutter. He was the founder of the um, American Meditation Institute. Oh, wow. And he talks, obviously, you know, talks very much about that space between um, an occurrence and your reaction. And obviously our aim in meditation and mindfulness and, and things is to extend that pause, isn't it? So that we don't react quickly. Yeah. And what you're saying is literally that, that that little bit there just goes. Everything, everything, yeah. Yeah, and it's the difference between 
limiting and learning. And I think that's the other piece of it too. Like, you know, you, you, if we're reacting, we're staying limited to our own experience mm. and not the experience of others, right? Whereas if we're learning, we're in curiosity. And I think, I think there's something in that as well, in that space, we, we, uh, we, we get to learn and grow and develop ourselves to become something better. I agree. Well, this is a nice way to start. I can think- All because can think of coffee. We're all because of coffee. We've launched into the podcast. Normally I would do a little bit of chat with you beforehand, <laughs> but I feel like we're in, we're rolling. All yeah. Coffee. As I take another drink. <laughs> yeah, about two o'clock uh, or two in the afternoon. If anyone offers me a coffee after that, or if I go for a coffee, you know, or if go to a cafe after that, I have to deal with the gremlin on my shoulder that goes, we've gone for a coffee. So I, does that mean I have to have coffee? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, but it's too early for a drink. Yeah. Days. yeah. <laughs> then, there's, then there's a, you know, there's, there's concern. <laughs> yeah. um, so what does a busy day look like in the world of Jesse now? Cause I know that the world, your, your life has changed a lot over the years, hasn't it? Yeah, it has uh, a busy day for me. So I, I, uh, we've got three different teams that I connect with in our, in our company. We've got one that's positioned in the UK, another in Singapore, and then we just launched in the US and we have our first employee, employee number one uh, in the US. So, so I don't connect with everybody all the time, but there is, you know, two to three days out of the week, I have to engage with both of those time zones in the same day. So that means getting up earlier and being on calls later. I don't, I'm not back to back. Like I, I do a good job of making sure that there's some space between. I don't always get it right, but um, a busy day would be me getting up at five o'clock on my first call at six. Uh, today's a good example of that. I haven't had a break. And once I get done with this around 12-ish, uh, I'll have some space. Uh, I'll go to the gym and I'll do something good for myself and then later on this afternoon, probably around two, three o'clock, I'll do some of my work. So it won't be calls. It's just the work that I need to do either based on the calls or based on any action items that the team have identified for me. And that ends around, it just depends on the day. That could end at six, seven. Sometimes I'm on calls till eight or nine um, if I'm with Singapore, but that ends anywhere from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. That is a busy day, but do you find that you fire on all cylinders when you're functioning like that? I think, I think it's, if yes, I, I think so. I think you, you know, it's like, it's like getting ready for the big game. If you've got a big day and you're, you're in that kind of performance mindset, there's an adrenaline, an element of adrenaline that you get that kind of keeps you awake and, uh, you know, I think in, in short bursts or, you know, if it's for a day or two days or even three days, that's okay, but it's not sustainable. I know for me, there was a time when I was doing 6 a.m. starts every day. And, and it's different between waking, there's a difference between waking up at 6 a.m. and being on a call at 6 a.m. Mm. And, uh, you know, being on in this virtual medium that we use, it's a lot. And some of some of the, the stressors and the impacts we're not even awake to, right? So, I, I, during COVID, I was doing 6 a.m. starts most days, and I found myself breaking down, like I was withering away. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an entirely different exhaustion, isn't it? Like, it is, yeah. I feel yeah. a bit like, you know how, I mean, since we've been at school, um, we haven't used a pen and paper. And so to yeah. now write an essay with a pen is, is, I mean, I write like four lines and I'm, my hand is exhausted. Yeah. I feel like this is doing the same thing to my eyes and my brain, these constant yeah. uh, online Zoom things and stuff. The, ca the camera, before, before I you know, started doing countless Zoom calls or Teams calls or WebEx, was felt almost like a, a weapon. It felt like a weapon was being pointed at you. And you know, you doing TV, any of that, 
you changed, you weren't the same person. Um, and there were there, there was an element of vulnerability that you know you you only get when a camera's pointed at you. And now all of a sudden a camera's being pointed at you every day, multiple times a day. And the audience is changing from moment to moment. And so, you know, it's 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 again, it's a it's a it's a it's confusing because we're doing it as part of our daily routine, but the impact is there and it's insidious. Like it's it's not it's hard to, to really understand. And how much, um, I'm sort of jumping here a little bit, but um, I'm quite intrigued because I know that a lot of my friends find the camera and the idea of being on the camera, the devil, you know, it's just, it's so, and they're so self-critical and, you know, I sort of encourage people like that to switch their screens off so that they're not constantly looking at themselves and, and having that chimp brain that goes through the meeting whilst they're, you know, in, a, in any other condition, you know, in a person to person meeting, you wouldn't be sitting with a mirror in front of yourself during the meeting and thinking, oh God, I really, my hair does not look great when I wear it like that, you know, or I really should have done something more with my makeup today. Those, yeah. those additional thoughts that we now have as a result of this online thing. So it's like, get rid of the camera so you don't inadvertently yeah. flick back and, and allow that. Cause it's, it's, it must be taking up so much space that chimp brain yeah. that doesn't really need to be there anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it certainly is, is um, revealing any hidden narcissisms. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's different strategies I think people are using. You know, we do audio too. Like we'll do walking meetings just to take a break or just turn the camera off. And it's nice to just be able to, you know, look in another direction while you're having a conversation and not feel as though you're disengaged. Mm. You know, and, and I think that that's, you know, whether it's turning the camera off or, you know, going for a walking meeting, I think variety is important in, in this medium. And it doesn't always mean the camera has to be on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also, I think even on a on a kind of human level, you know, we come together with objectives. Right. So if it's work, there's you know, there's there's a reason for it. But I think creating some space for just human conversation is is another thing that's needed uh, within all of that. Yeah, I agree. The exchange of energy when you're sitting with someone or opposite someone or whatever during a conversation is is. Yeah. Missed. Yeah. In your um in your rundown of that of that busy day that you have, you squeezed in your own workout. So is that something that you do because you need that mentally, physically, or is it a a, a training thing? Is it is it for physicality? Where does that sit for you? You know, I, I fell in love with movement, or I realized that I I fell in love with movement first at a very young age. Like I remember being a kid and running. And I remember running so fast at that time. I was probably, I don't know, I was probably six or seven. I felt like I was about to fly. And I just fell in love with movement. That turned into sport. I love sport. Mm. And um, this thing that I loved eventually became this thing that I needed. Um, and so now when I look at any movement in my life, it is for survival. Like I, if, I don't, if I don't move, life doesn't look good. And, and so I would say it's all of the above, everything that you just mentioned, but to, to summarize it or to put it into one thing, it's survival. Um, and if, if I'm getting into my body, I'm, I'm, I'm connecting with something much greater than me and, and me being the head and the brain and, and, and you know, that, that space we live in when we're sitting in, in, in front of a device like this, right? And, and so for me, it's, it's just connecting with my body, connecting with with something greater too. I don't know about you, but when I'm moving, like I feel expansive. I feel yeah. like ideas are flowing. I feel like things are possible. And, uh, and that, that feels right. That feels good. That feels like I'm connected to something. So it's, uh, it's survival. And it's also, I guess, in a lot of ways in relation to work, it's, it's, mm. it, it gives me a creative space that I otherwise wouldn't have. And do you ever, um, have days or periods of time where where you would allow that to slide or is that something that's a bad you know is that like a downward spiral for you yeah and i think you know covid covid you know blessing and a curse right i, I think uh 
I was so accessible and going back to when my days were really full and I was starting at 6 a.m. Most, most mornings, I was so accessible and so caught up in you know, the fact that I could not only have more meetings with my team or my, my business partner, um, we could get more done. There was, there was just this more and more and more. And that was across the board when, when it came to work. And what was happening was I was using my head so much that I forgot what it was like to use my body. And that over about, a, I'd say three to six month period, I, I got close to burnout. And I remember my son, um, I shared this story with one of our corporate clients because it, it, it had a lot of relevance. Um, I, I woke up one morning after, and I got, I had a 6 a.m. meeting. Um, I woke up, I got in front of the laptop and I was a real asshole. Like I, the team that we had a leadership team meeting. I was just, I was just looking for a way to be a real asshole. And there was no reason for it besides I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do to feel connected, to feel good. So I got on that call and uh, nobody, nobody wanted to be on that call with me. I didn't even want to be on that call. I just, I wanted people to feel as miserable as I was feeling. Shortly after that, it was time for me to wake up my son uh, for school, virtual school, homeschool. Um, I went into his room. He was asleep. I was, I was like, it's time to get up. He didn't move. I raised my voice. I said, it's time to get up. Finally, he started moving um, and, and getting ready. I came back down, started working more and just buried myself in work. I didn't even know how much time had passed. And I looked up at the screen and it had been like an hour and a half. He hadn't come out of his room. So I was, I was pretty upset. I went back in there and I looked at him and he was just crying. He was in a little ball and he was crying. And I, uh, I looked at him and I was frustrated because I had asked him to get ready. He hadn't started getting ready. And, uh, and he looked at me and he said, you don't talk to me. You aren't, you know, you aren't even here. And this is a 10 year old, right? And he, he's just, he's telling me everything that I'm not saying. He's telling me everything about myself that I need to hear. Um, and I, in that moment, I was like, holy cow, for the last, I think it was three or six months. I can't remember the duration for the last three to six months. I had been completely lost in this kind of endless zoom, you know, endless, chase for more via Zoom meetings, more work, more time, you know, just more, more, more. I lost my routine. I wasn't exercising. I was eating when it was convenient and I was eating what was convenient and, uh, and I lost my way. And so to answer your question, um, which I think I'm answering it, am I getting there? Yeah. I, feel like I may have gone on a detour. I did, I, I have lost my way with this stuff and I've lost it recently. And I'm someone that sits in a position where I'm supposed to be a shining example. And, you know, I think, I think the reality is for all of us is like this, what we've been exposed to, it's, it's like the old formula doesn't work and there's new variables and our behaviors have changed, our beliefs are changing. And, uh, and we, have to, we have to be aware of that. And so for me, I went through that and, and I had to kind of recommit to, to the things that, that allowed me to feel good and exercise being one of those things. Uh, and, uh, and my son and I were able to kind of reconnect on a much deeper level, even though he's 10, he's, he's a wise, wise soul. And, uh, and through that conversation, I was able to get back to a good place with him, which in turn, you know, makes me feel complete and whole. There's something about those relationships that are a reflection of you, right? And, oh, yeah. uh, and I got to see myself in a way I hadn't seen myself. Yeah, wow. I mean, he couldn't have been a bigger mirror, could he? Yeah. And also, um, actually, you know, what you're saying, though, is a you talk about being a shining example through what you do. That is exactly what a shining example is and does is is let you know it that it's OK to slide every now and then. And that, you know, it's what you then do and how you deal with that and, and being aware of it, isn't it? And then sort of working out what it is that you can get yourself to climb back up again, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think you know for for I guess anybody in that position where they're you know a little lost, it's it, like just listen. Like listen to those people, the little ones tugging on your shirt, listen to to your partner, listen to the people that care because they are they're they're giving you something and if if you're if you're willing to listen to it there might be some 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 big un, unfortunate experiences that you can can avoid. And presumably it's about finding your 
what your motivation is as well like what your what your reason is to to exercise or to keep yourself healthy and and in a good place right yeah and I, yeah motivation's a, a funny one and i i uh, i agree i think everybody has to go on that journey to figure out what is it what is it that's going to push them closer to whatever that destination is whoever they're trying to, to become uh, but at the same time, there's there are those fundamentals that you know. No matter who cares what you want, right? You're a human being, and and there's these things here that you actually need, regardless of what you want. And 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 I think that, you know, waiting. And I might be going off on a tangent, but there's some relevance. Um, defining those motivations is important. Understanding that those motivations aren't always going to be there, and and there is just a need. To, to show up and do is, is I think the learning for, for anybody, you know, anybody that I've worked with, there's like, you know, they want to lose weight. There's, there's these desires and these wants and these motivators, but what they quickly find out is, you know, what's revealed along the way is that it's actually just showing up each day when you don't want to, that is the game changer itself. Right. And, and that, that, that becomes the motivation is contrary action. And, and, and showing up and doing doing the work in the face of struggle. Yeah, yeah, and, act, and uh, actually the showing up is the hardest bit. Like if you're taking like actually physically going to the gym as an example, I mean, you never regret a workout, no matter what no. length it is. And, and if you go with, the, with this sort of like, I have to do an hour and I have to sweat and I have to do all these things, then, then that becomes a chore and it becomes hard. But if you go yeah. in with the intention of just showing up and maybe I'll just start on, I mean, actually my gym sessions are so unorganized. You know, I know that there are some trainers out there who'll go in and be like, and we'll have a really rigid, you know, I'm going to do upper body, lower body, arms, whatever. Mine is so not like that because if I do that, I won't stick to it and I know what my brain is like. But what I will do is go in and I love bench press. So I'll normally, you know, I'll kick off with some yoga or whatever um, and some stretches. And then I'll start with bench press because I know I like it. And that immediately, once I start that and I start getting the juices flowing, then I'm on it. Then off I go. And if yeah. I if I make that my only goal, then that, and it's like, you know, I can do five minutes of that and that's fine. Then yeah. if I finish that and my body goes, really, Al, today is not the day. I cannot, I'm not feeling it. My back's hurting, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then I'll go, okay, that's fine. We'll go back to some yeah. yoga or we'll just go and stretch or we'll go and lie on the ball or whatever and we'll leave. And that's yeah. fine. And I, and I think labeling that as productive is, 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 is the journey a lot of people are on because there's something about, if it doesn't look the same, then it didn't happen. And, and that's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to look the same. And, and in fact, you know, the same gets boring. So I think being able to label these moments of rest or these moments where you say, you know what, today I'm not gonna do it as success is, yeah. is, is a journey a lot of people are on. Yeah, it definitely is. Cause it's, and that's part of the healing bit of it as well. And actually the only reason why I can speak like that is I had a baby in January and I'm very much going through a healing period. And I, before that I was teaching, I mean, through most of my pregnancy, I was teaching loads and loads of yoga and fitness. And I've always been, uh, I've always been very active, but I have also always had a real problem with my bones and my spine. And now that's really caught up with me and pregnancy and birth has really triggered that. So I have had to, over these last seven months, like completely rewire my brain to accept those days where my body is saying, I can't. And yeah. in the past, I'd have been like, I'm sure you can, you know, you can get through that, change this, change that. And actually now I'm like, no, 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 no. That was never right, Legui. <laughs> that was never the right approach. Because yeah. actually it's okay. It is okay to heal as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, first of all, congratulations. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing uh, some work. One of our clients is Cisco Systems, and um, each quarter we deliver a new theme. And this, this, uh, this quarter's theme is recovery. And it's an interesting word, I think, for a lot of us, because it, it can mean a variety of things. Um, that, that word comes to mind for me for a lot of people. There's, 
and there's a variety of ways to recover. I think when we look at performance, especially uh, for an athlete, if an athlete's on the field and they're, you know, they're go, 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 um, they're practicing every day, they've got a big game on Friday, they look at recovery as a part of the productivity, as a part of, a part of the performance. As soon as you take that same individual and you put them into a corporation, <laughs> there's no difference between that individual, you know, putting in the hours, you know, back-to-back -back meetings on devices just like this, um, you know, hitting deadlines like that. It's the only difference is in in a sport you've got seasons, so you've got a lot of downtime in between, you know, the next season to to rest and recover. In in an organization, it's it's. 24/7 it feels like it's always on and so there's this real shift in in how we define recovery in in that culture I think that's really important where it becomes a part of the productivity a part of the performance and uh, you know I think your experience as a mom and understanding now that you know my body I know it I've, I've lived in it long enough I'm wiser than I was and recovery needs to be a part of my productivity um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really positive shift. And I think it, it, it represents a shift that a lot of people need to make, especially in, in, the, corporate, in the corporate culture. I love the fact that you've um, trans, trans, sort of transferred your skills. That's maybe not quite the right word, but I love the fact that you're doing a lot with corporations now. I feel like there's been quite a, it's been quite a, a movement, hasn't there, for businesses realizing that physical and mental health is a really important part of yeah. a productive workforce, right? How did that come about? And also, what what um, what feedback have you had from, yeah. from people? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's not the space I am. It, it's certainly not the space that I showed up in. It's a, a space uh -huh. that I arrived arrived to. And um, I, you know, I grew up with a single mom who worked for a corporation since she was 17. Um, and I saw, I saw her, I saw her grow within an organization. I saw the time she put into it. I saw, I, you know, it, upon reflection, now being in that corporate space and understanding those cultures, I now see why she was the way that she was. And, uh, and it wasn't a bad thing. It's just, I, I, I was around it at a young age. I didn't, I didn't go through, go to school thinking I was going to be in a corporation. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't become a trainer to, to be a corporate trainer. I've always been about people and I've always needed to be, you know, I talked about survival through exercise. Another form of survival for me is being outside of myself and, and in service of others. It's something I needed at a young age as well. When I'm in my head, I'm not always at my best. So, um, so for me, I went from becoming a trainer, becoming a trainer, working with a certain type of person, that person being someone that needed to lose a significant amount of weight, many that were in a do or die situation, that weight being physical. I started a business around that with my business partner um, that was launched in 2013. Uh, when we launched that business, it was off the back of some shows I did in the UK, a show called A Year to Save My Life, which was essentially uh, a group of people that were super morbidly obese that were going to go on a journey over a 12-month period to, to transform their lives, not just their bodies, but their whole lives. And it was Obdoc style. It got good, it got good feedback. It was a really meaningful show and really needed and necessary. Uh, so off the back of that, we launched this business and... Um, when we launched it, we thought, you know, the people that are going to gravitate to this are going to be similar people that were, were on the show, maybe, right? It's going to be people that need to lose weight. We started doing workshops across the UK. It was crazy. It was crazy. Do you go by Alexandra or, or, or Al? Because I... Alex, Al. Alex, Al. Alexandra. Alex, it was insane. Like, it's, at the start of this, like, I'm an American coming into the UK. I just set up this business with my crazy business partner, who was my publicist and manager. We were in, like, a smart car driving from place to place, doing these workshops and these live events. And the, the preconceived idea was, okay, we're going we're gonna to help people lose weight. As soon as we showed up in the rooms to these workshops, the individuals that were sitting in the seats did not need to lose weight. It was nothing to do with physical weight. Um, they were individuals that wanted to go on a journey of transformation of some kind. And they saw 
transformation from the people that they watched on the shows, but they, they went beyond the weight. They saw that those people were going on a much more meaningful journey of transformation. And so when, when, we opened, when we started this business, when we did those workshops, it was revealed that this is not about physical weight loss. This is about a different type of weight. This is about people. This is about transcending that physical layer and really understanding what you need as an individual and how collectively we can come together as a community, as a, as a, as a team and, and support each other's efforts, support each other through conversation, through, through other gestures that keep, keep things alive, that keep change alive. Um, we did that until 2015. We ran these workshops. Uh, we created an online community that, that brought people together, all different shapes and sizes, all different walks of life, cultures, everything. And, uh, and the, the, the platform itself allowed us to kind of look at how, um, you know, technology and using that, that medium can keep that conversation going even after we, you know, did a workshop with these individuals. Now, we would support those people. We would support the conversation. It wasn't anything too complex. It was really simple, clear, and focused. Help the individual, plug them into a community, let the community do the work. In 2015, we had an opportunity with, uh, from an individual that worked in a corporation. They said, we would love to do, bring what you do into our company. And so um, we had the opportunity to come in and run a pilot based on the work that we had done in that B2C space with human beings, with people. In 2015, we launched in the organization, in a corporation, and uh, we've been going ever since. Mm. Uh, started out as a pilot in, in the Amir region, that's Europe, Middle East, Africa, Russia. Uh, then we grew into the APAC, APJC region, Asia, Pacific, Japan, China. And then um, this year we launched in the US. So my, my concern in that shift from B2C to B2B, going into the corporate space, being a being a person who's about people was, I don't know the I don't know the language. Like I, I'm, they're gonna see through me. They're gonna, they're you know, I'm not gonna be able to be relevant. So I was terrified in that that transition once I crossed that threshold. Yeah. Um, but when I sat in the seat and I listened, and when my team and my business partner sat in the seat and we listened, we heard the same thing that we heard in those workshops, I'm struggling. I'm struggling and I, I, I need help. Um, and what we would do is we would listen and we would support, no different than we did before. The beautiful thing, I think that the, the, the big reveal for us was it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a part of an organization, a part of a family, an individual on this you know strange rock that we live on. Um, everybody wants to feel good and feel connected and you know and, and 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 what we bring is the ability for you to define what how you do that and be a part of a conversation in a community that helps you sustain those efforts and so that was a very long-winded way of me telling you what that was like for me um on a personal level it's been it's been scary but it's probably i've grown more in the past five years six years than I, than I had probably my whole life previously. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with working with some incredible leaders, um, working with, incredible, with an incredible organization like Cisco and, um, and just being willing to, to kind of step back and get curious and, and, and explore that space that we talked about at the start of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And learn from new people from it. You were learning yeah. from a whole new, a whole new crowd, even though like you say, they're still sort of saying the same thing. You're still learning from a new, a new crowd of people. Isn't it interesting that ultimately, I mean, what that, all of that said to me, I mean, that we know is that every single person is just a human being who has the same flaws, has the same dreams, has the same hopes. It sort of all comes down to that at the end of the day, doesn't it? And everyone has that vulnerability and they want to be the best version of themselves. And, and, and lots of people struggle with that and, and are too scared to ask for help normally. And that's why I think people get to a point, don't they, at, at maybe at breaking point, you know, maybe and some of the people I'm sure that you've come up against are at breaking point where like I have something has to change here. I have to go on a transformational journey. Otherwise, I'm going to keep sinking. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that, I think we, with the exception of some people, I think, I think we're all hip to this kind of seekers. Yeah. This kind of seekers journey, right. Where it's, we're never done. Right. It's just kind of, we're always work in progress. I think the interesting thing about when we get into when we talk about this in relation to an organization is you not only you not only have uh, especially with an, a global organization not only have the culture of that country or that individual and where they're positioned in their family and everything else you also have this another this added layer of culture that is created based on the, the you know the, the the values the principles of that organization which in some ways can be a barrier to entry for the work right and the work being whatever that individual needs in order to feel engaged in what they do on a day-to-day -day basis within that organization. So a lot of the work at the start is, is, you know, getting people to, to, to drop the veil and, you know, and say, okay, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go past, we're going to go past the layer of organization X. And now we're going to enter into, you know, this space where we're all just fellows and, and peers and people. And, and, and I think, if you can do that in an organization, then you've done something really special. I'd say that's the hardest thing is to get get an individual to connect to themselves as a human being, um, and uh, and identify you know the, the, what their work is, what their needs are. Do you miss your previous world or not? I, well, it's funny you should ask that. Uh, you know, we have been over the last over the last year there there's this kind of roads to our roots um campaign happening it's not a real campaign it's a campaign in my head uh, <laughs> and it's it's getting back to where we came from like this whole business was based on was the foundation of our business was based on rolling your sleeves up and sitting down with people and and having conversations and, and it was based on community and in the room and i know that that's changed we we have to we have to accept that being in the room isn't necessarily the um in a literal sense isn't isn't necessarily an option um but you can still be in the room if you know what i mean you can still create that room in, in, a, in a different in a different way and so I do miss it to answer your question. And a lot of the work that we're gonna be doing over the next 12 months is, is getting back to where we came from and, and showing that because that's what we're about. And it's it's easy to, to get lost in the, the fun and creative bits of product development and you know running running some really catchy marketing campaigns and 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 lose sight of what's most important and, and that's that's where you came from. You gotta appreciate where you came from. And, and, yeah. and that's that's what we're we're working to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How much do you think the um, or how much have you noticed that the sort of the fitness world has changed over the years? It's, I mean, like, but the only reason why I ask that is that a friend of mine is studying a nutrition course, and uh, and he was talking about the um, the balanced food plate, and I thought, my God, they still haven't updated even that, you know, in in what people are learning in their PTs and their nutrition courses at the moment. And it's just so disheartening, isn't it? That fitness and, and our knowledge of fitness and, and what we do in to our bodies and what we take and everything has, has evolved so much over the years. Yeah, yeah. How much do you bring that into play in your teaching? I, you know, I think language is important and um, even, even the word fitness makes me now want to run in the other direction. Yeah. I don't mean to be, I hope that, hopefully that doesn't, um, come across as insulting because it's, it's not yeah. meant to be, but, you know, when we think about barriers to entry for the majority of the population, when, when they hear the word fitness, they think I don't belong. And if, if our if our goal, like for our company, our vision is everyone everywhere, right? We wanna be able to give what we can to provide, uh, I'm not gonna give you our vision because we're working on it, but essentially it's, we're launching a new vision. That's why I'm saying that, but it's essentially- uh, Let me have the secret. <laughs> providing, providing well-being to everyone everywhere, right? Making it inclusive, making it holistic and and yeah. fitness doesn't doesn't suggest that, that uh, being healthy is inclusive or holistic. It, it, it kind of 
isolates uh, it, it isolates a group and, and says that if you want to belong to this, then you need to fit this criteria. So I, I think language is important. And so we've we've made a big shift back in 2015 to, to use the term well-being. And even well-being is it's it's subjective, right? Um, the the standard definition is a state of comfort, happiness, and health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for me that's that's inclusive right so so you the way you create comfort happiness and health in your life is totally unique to you mm. there's no program for that that's 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 the set of behaviors that you brought into your life that that shape you know who you are and how you show up and the the, the beliefs and behaviors that are you mm. um and so you know i i, I think that the, the shift is really understanding that if we're looking at health in the wider world, um, there is, from, from a, I'll call it a leadership perspective, the leaders in the world, leaders being people, but also organizations that, you know, provide healthcare, health, health solutions. Um, there's, there's a shift in language there, I think, that is a duty of care to the majority of people still trying to find their way. And a part of that is a really empowering message that suggests how you do this is unique to you. And that is, and you have the right to go on that journey and figure that out. And, um, and what a responsibility to have, right? Like it's, 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 a, it's a, there, in that message is ownership, like figuring it out for you, I think, the, the the chase or the you know I see so many people kind of going from one product to the next and that's great it, it it's great but there's this kind of standard or this baseline that each individual has to create for themselves it's not even in place yet mm. and so that message I think that the leaders of the world again organizations and and people is you're allowed to to figure out what this means to you in fact you're empowered to figure out what this means to you. Um, so go go figure it out. And and what that might mean is that an individual shows up to um, the gym and they they find that fitness is their thing. It's where they get it. But but if we limit it to fitness, then they never get to go on that journey. And 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 I think that you know all of this to say, I think that the fitness industry, the the positive is things are changing for the good. I think fitness even in itself is becoming more inclusive and uh and you know you see you see some of these bodybuilders even and 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 these fitness experts who are now incorporating a mindfulness practice like it's you know there's there's new there's an upskilling happening where and there's a new space being opened up where there otherwise wasn't and so i i I, that's a real positive yeah sorry that was another long-winded answer i love it it's great it's just rambling chats what it's meant to be that's true that's true i'm just being hard on myself i think yeah, your inner demons going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The um, I do a lot with uh, a lot of teaching with mindfulness and meditation, and I feel like um, I mean, mindfulness is being is a bit of a buzzword, isn't it? It's being a bit um, overused, I think, um, in some places or misused, maybe in some places. But um, I love the fact that. That, that there has been that that transition over these recent years, I think, where people are taking a little bit more time for that space. Yeah. Um, how much do you bring that side of things into your teaching? Uh, it is it is uh, in parallel with everything else. So so we work with what what I call the four elements: eat, sweat, think, and connect. They're part of everything that we do. Um, and they are just a holistic, inclusive approach to well-being. And you know, I think the difference is, I think there are a lot of companies and, and, and you know, individual experts that have their own kind of way uh, or areas of focus. You'll have your physical, your mental, emotional, social, spiritual. Uh, I think the difference is, is we 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 brand these, package these up as as a uh, as a program in their own right. They're not just a place where you go to a website and oh, here's some here's some exercise content under the physical. They are they are a mantra. They are a part of the individual's journey. And and the beauty of them is, and this goes back to empowering the individual. 
what we try to do is get the individual to define how they eat, sweat, think, and connect in their own lives. It's, it's not prescriptive. We suggest things, but really what we want to do is have an individual go from point A to point B, point A being, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Here's some suggestions. Oh, by the way, and here's the four elements. Going from that point to being able to, over time, create a story that they have for themselves using the elements um, as a focal point. And then getting to that point of power where when they get to point B, going out into the wider world, sharing their experience, you know, of transformation, uh, that little moment where they just realized that they were important or that, you know, that this was, that this was possible. And, uh, and I think for us, you know, that's, that's kind of how we work. Um, so it's not one thing, it's everything to answer your question. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is, and, and, you know, I get, I would put mindfulness under the think element is a part of everything that we do. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a part of everything. I mean, when you think about mindfulness and awareness, it's in the food that you eat, it's in movement, it's in how you interact with other human beings. So you can't really be healthy without it, in my opinion. No, I agree. And I think it also kind of encourages the, like you're, you, I, I think I'm right in what I hear that you're talking about almost like a sense of ownership as well, that people go through that journey and that they're in control. It's not like a, here is your, here is your eating for the day. Here is your thinking, your, your, you know, your sweat for the day, your think, your, here is your list. This is what you have to do because you're the same as every other person. That I'm dealing with today, and that's not the yeah. case, is it? And if people can explore and develop themselves, and they take ownership ownership for it, and then I think that's really empowering. So then they're more likely to continue on that journey if it's yeah. there, if it's their idea, if it's their their creation, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think what what you want to provide is the experiences. So you know, if we if I if I use the example in, in organizations, we introduce the elements this is eat sweat think and connect and usually that's coupled with a story so someone that is use the elements and it's transformed their lives um, i share some of my some of my history and my work off the back of that they have the elements but then what we have is um, a journey attached to that and that might be a launch event in that journey we have a variety of experiences it might be you know a meditation session it might be a desk or size or stretch session uh, it might be some uh, some, a variety of breathing techniques. It could be, you know, how to journal effectively. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we give them some how-tos. They get to decide within the elements what works for them. And that's the empowering piece. So we expose them to what could be, and they get to decide what is. Yeah. I must make such a difference. So I did a, I had um, uh, one of my podcast episodes was with a company called Talkout who are about depression within yeah. organizations and their whole thing is about helping people specifically or helping uh, depression within organizations to their, uh, and the difference that they're making is, you know, less sick days and uh, more of a, a, a congruence and openness between the staff, you know, or, or the leaders and, and the ideas are flowing better and, the business is improving, you know, and yeah. I guess that must be the same results for you, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't like to, we don't like to guarantee that we're going to impact the bottom line. We don't want to be about that. And, 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 and but at the end of the day, <laughs> we, we have to sell, we have to sell what we do. So we do realize the importance of it. I think what we try to do, you know, through our impact statements, engagement is really important. And so, if we can show that people are engaged in the initiative and in parallel show that they're engaged in their work, then, then that's, that's a good thing. And, and I think, I don't think, this is one thing I will say, evidence is important, but I also think that we spend a lot of time looking for evidence when we know the answer. Yeah. And, and, you know, especially in organizations, right? It's like, we need to prove that well-being is going to make our employees better. Right. And, we don't have to prove that that's 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 truth a person that's taking care of themselves is going to be more energized they're going to feel better about their contributions the relationship between them and the organization will be better i think the main thing is making sure that the organization um makes it a priority 
Mm. That's that's probably the biggest thing. And, you know, that's from a leadership standpoint and also from, uh, you know, a, an empowered individual standpoint, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, uh, it's got to be a pri priority. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's why <clears throat> something I think um, when I was listening, I must have been listening to you or reading something that you've said before about reflection. Um, and about having time to digest what people have done and learned throughout the day in a business. Was it you were saying about the fact that, you know, like or bringing in this idea that because people have like endless meetings throughout the day and there's sort of no yeah. chance to jump, no chance to actually analyze or, or digest what you've done in a meeting. Is that something that you, do you bring in? I'm sure that's what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, we 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 definitely try to brand. <clears throat> excuse me. We try to brand things within an organization that just cue a, a new behavior or, or routine. Uh, so we've got a thing called Pavelka Pause, meaning like give yourself five minutes, and in those five minutes, by the way, here's some great resources. Here's five minutes of stretching, five minutes of breathing, five minutes of you know, uh, an exercise that you can do to, to, to create some space between you and what's happening next, uh, which is usually another meeting. So we do that on a, on a very practical level, but I also think that what we try to introduce to the human beings and organizations is a routine that starts in the morning and ends once their head hits the pillow. And, you know, it's about, it's about starting the day with you not plugged into your device, plugged into your day and how you want to feel. Um, going into the living room, doing some breathing, maybe doing some stretching, sitting down at your desk or at the table, doing some writing, doing some reading. This sounds like a fantasy for a lot of people. It's doable. <laughs> and, uh, and in that, once you get done with that, there's this beautiful opportunity to really set the tone and intention for the day. Now this is the start of your day, right? That can be replicated between meetings. A, a small version of that can be replicated where instead of doing an hour long meeting, you do a 45 minute meeting. And in that 15 minute window, you make yourself a priority. You reconnect with yourself, maybe do some breathing, reflect on what just happened. Okay, I was in a meeting and you know, Dan was a real asshole and it made me feel really uncomfortable within my body, my physiology. Uh, I'm gonna acknowledge that. I'm not just gonna go into the next meeting. I'm gonna sit with that for a second. I'm gonna breathe through it. Okay, that, that happened. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go on to the next thing. Okay, the next thing's happening. How do I want this to go? Okay, what just happened had an impact. I need to let go of that, detach from that and transition to this new experience. So you replicate this, this routine. You started in the morning in those little moments throughout the day. And the reflective piece is actually what comes at the end of the day. So we've got morning and uh, an evening routine. So you've got essentially the ascend and descend from like an airplane taking off to then coming. It doesn't, it's not a hard stop, right? It's, it's gradual. And so the takeoff of your day includes what I mentioned. And then the landing is, is about space. It's, it's not being on your device an hour before bed, setting a boundary with that. It's connecting to your breath, doing some breathing. Um, it's putting pen to paper, doing some journaling. And within that is the reflective piece. Like, how did today go? How did I show up? What could I have done differently? Um, so you have intention, reflection, but that represents those little moments in between meetings, reflection, intention. <laughs> so you almost, you, 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 you switch the two. Um, hopefully that answered that. But yeah, that, that's... That's something that we shout about in, in organizations. How good are you at practicing what you preach? Uh, I'm not perfect, but it would be boring if I was. I think um, progress, not perfection for me. Um, mm -hmm. That's a, a mantra that I try to stick to because uh, when I try to be perfect, it is, oh, talk about a torturous existence. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I was listening to this really great, her name's Anna Lamont, Lamont, Lamont. She wrote a, a, a book called Bird by Bird. It's for writers. Yeah, that ring. Oh yes, that rings a bell. 
Yeah, I was actually just listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast and it was an interview that he was doing with her. And, uh, and she talks about, you know, perfectionism and especially, you know, for a writer, her whole, her whole, I guess, philosophy for writing is just sit your ass in the seat and do some really horrible work. Yeah. But the main thing is that you sit in the seat. And, and I think for me, it's, it's the same thing. Like, I'm, I perfect, I'm a perfectionist and it, it's not good. So for me, it's, it's if I show up and I do it, and, I'm, and I, at the very least I mean it, then that, that's good enough for me. But it certainly doesn't always look good. No, I really go through phases. I really go through phases of, of, of I don't know, I, I, you know, I might finish a week and be like, damn, I've, I've been good this week. I've been healthy. I've been like manifesting. I've been open. Yeah. I've been aware. I've been reflecting and meditating. I've been doing all the shit. And then the next week I'll be like, oh my God, I literally forgot to do all of it. And it's, and it's not even like I'm, I'm being bad. I just forgot like that practice that's so ingrained just sort of didn't happen because life happened I suppose like other other stuff just yeah no way <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I you know we're humans and we're messy and complex and you know it's funny because like everything that we that you you know whether it's in the corporate world or even outside of it's like we're trying to we're trying to create a straight line yeah. and, and there are no straight lines. And, and that goes for us and, and, and our routines and our behaviors. Like they're just, sometimes we just have to be okay with it getting messy and not, not perfect. <laughs> I find um, you, I guess you travel a lot as well, fly a lot. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, used to. I, I, I'll be in the UK in, in two weeks, no, three weeks. Oh, okay. Well, it's that's a nice, a nice long haul. And I, because I was just, I travel a lot and, and probably for me, the best time for reflecting, I kind of do everything on the plane <laughs> because I it's love, such yeah. a good time, isn't it? To everyone's like, oh, you must hate long hauls. I'm like, no, I love them. Like that is the one time that no one can contact me, which is just heaven. Yeah. I, I can do whatever I want. I can either, I can sit, I, I mean, I, particularly if it's a 10 hour flight or something, I love them. Cause then I'm like, oh, I'll do an hour of nothing. I'll do an hour of meditation or, or you know, or something or a bit of journaling or something like that. I might do a bit of an hour of songwriting and, and then I'll definitely do a film because I never allow myself. That's a real luxury to do that sort of thing. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. And there's something about being above the clouds as well, where you're just like, oh, I'm so far away from everything. This is just glorious. <laughs> yeah, I, I share that. I, I think distractions are gone when you're when you're on an airplane, and you know, yeah. you, you you take so much off the table that otherwise is on. And and yeah. I think um, if you can replicate that just three days out of the week, you're you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think what uh, Anna Lamont was saying, I think that's her last name. I might be butchering it. Is I think that the discipline is being able to just sit in the seat, and you know that that's I think a metaphor in so many ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be a seat. It's it's just being able to sit and focus on that thing yeah. that you that you promised to to commit to. Yeah, um, I agree. So I was going to ask you questions. Is that is that a thing we do here? Yeah, you want? Yeah, I didn't ask if we could cuss, and I, I did say ass a few times. So, shit. Apologies. I know, I know. Um, so you're you're a new mom, and you know this is the greatest gift I think we get, and and also we give. Uh, what has been your experience? What's been the big, I guess, the big um, revelation from it for you? And then what is the biggest change that you've made in order to support your role as mom and take care of yourself? The biggest revelation for me probably is, well, that there is something much more important than me. Um, while I'd like to think I've always been a very kind human, I've certainly always been a very selfish human. You know, I've had a very uh, 
I mean, the, I'm 40 and the reason why I haven't had a child until I'm 40 is because I've been too busy lifing like and loving it, you know, traveling and working. I, 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 Self-indulgent, you know, I, I've loved every minute of it and I, and I feel like I've, I don't miss anything because I had to do all that. But it's a really nice thing to go, okay, now I'm ready to not be selfish. And it's such a lovely gift to have something to care about more, you know, yeah. more than anything else. It's such yeah. a lovely thing. And I never, ever have been, I've never been a mother girl. I've never been clucky. I've never been... I've never showed that soft side of myself at all. I've always been very driven, very hard, very ambitious, all of that, that element, that side of me, you know, and, yeah. and showing, feeling vulnerable, feeling those things are quite new feelings to me. And babies do that to you, you know, yeah. and, and certainly for those, those sort of first eight weeks, I did a lot of it on my own and it was really hard. And, but very revealing. It yeah. revealed things to me that I need to work on because when you're your absolute rawest, when you're broken, when you're really tired and you're really pushed, then you see what your reactive state is and what your mind, what, what's happening in your mind, you know? Yeah. And, and I was frustrated with myself because I always thought I'd done an awful lot of work and I thought I was very calm and I thought I was very good at being in the in in the moment and able to self calm and stuff like that you know yeah but it really triggered an awful lot in me yeah. and that was really interesting um really interesting and but gave me something to work with which i really liked you know stuff that i could then be like okay this is really interesting i can do stuff with this and i can make myself a better human and also Again, this is a really long-winded answer. But also, my parents divorced when I was young. And having a baby was quite triggering for that those emotions as well. And what yeah. do I want her to grow up with? What, what things do I want her to, to learn and not learn? I know that I can't control it, but I want her to feel safe. And I want her to feel the things that I've possibly felt I was lacking you know yeah and that's been really a fascinating new journey that I never knew I needed yeah wow it also helps that I'm training to be a psychotherapist and I'm in my like my final years and I didn't stop so I'd go to uni every, every uh, that, well, until recently, every Wednesday. The only day I missed was the day after I gave birth. Other than that, I kept showing up to uni because I knew that it would help me through that period. And it was the best thing I could have been doing, you know, because you know, I was constantly learning and within that training, you're being counseled. So I was able to like talk through all this and analyze and digest what was going on with me. And that was really useful. So yeah, God, that was a really long winded answer, but I feel like I've learned so much about myself as a result of it all. No, I think, I think it, every, every word had, had relevance and I, you know, um, I can relate to, I can relate to a lot of that. Um, just how how revealing it was. I, I remember there was a there was almost a a breakdown that I had. This was before my son was born, but it was the anticipation of this new thing coming, new new being coming into this experience, and all of my insecurities had kind of hit me at once. And and I the question was presented like, "Are you worthy?" And and I I couldn't answer it. I couldn't answer that question. And uh, and so that, you know, I remember that moment, it was a profound moment. And, you know, through, through, through the experience of parenting and everything, you start to build this, I don't know, this confidence in this new, this new part of you, this new role that was not, 
you know, not something that you were, you know, it wasn't a natural talent. It wasn't like a skill that you acquired through school. It is, it is something that just happens and it happens literally like that. And, and, you know, you can read all your books during pregnancy on, you know, how to be a parent, but as soon as the child comes, you can, that, that, yeah, you got some information, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the experience I think that really, that really gives you what you need. So, you know, yeah. I can relate to a lot of what you said. Yeah, I agree. It's incredible, isn't it? I love it. And I feel like I'm doing well, you know, I, I, much better than I ever thought I would do. I think that actually everything else is harder, like relationship and, uh, and st stupid thing, you know, like juggling work, you know, I'm, I'm really busy. So yeah. those things are difficult, but being a mum, I feel like it's, yeah. Yeah. I've got this. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, a good, that's, and, that's and great. About, um, I really thrive in my life. I always have really thrived when I'm being pushed to my limits. You know, when I've climbed a mountain or something, that that is so good for me when I'm yeah. really being pushed. That's when something happens inside me that steps up. And, and I wasn't sure if it was going to do that through yeah. pregnancy and through birth and, and through motherhood. And it really has, yeah. but it's a real energizer because I feel like I have to do it every day, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have a choice. No. You know, there's, something, there's something about, well, I think similar to, to climbing a mountain or, you know. Yeah. What, once you once you once you jump out of the airplane it's not a choice like you're 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 committed yeah. <laughs> every day i wake up and she's awake and i have to do it again <laughs> yeah yeah uh, nice speaking of which i need to go and feed her and i know that you now have a very busy day in fact you're going to the gym now remember I'm going to the gym yeah no this is going to be yeah I, I probably should have scheduled this after the gym because i would have been uh more on my a game so hopefully hopefully i always like leave these things and i i don't know if you have an inner critic like mine but it's it's it creeps in it's like the, there, there's a conversation that goes like did i do a good job there did you know did 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 Alexandra like what I had to say? Like what, you know, so it's this, this kind of, wow, I don't know. I love it. I love it. And I totally <laughs> like to do another podcast and unpack exactly what you just said, but that's for another, that's for that's another for, day. Yeah, that's, for, that's for a therapy session, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. It's been so nice chatting to you, really um, natural and easy and I'm fascinated by the work that you do. I think it's just brilliant. And I, yeah, I'm so pleased that you're doing so well. Oh, thank you, thank you, and 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 likewise. It sounds like you're about to embark on a really exciting journey of career with uh, with the schooling you've been doing, and obviously with the new addition to your to your family. So yeah, life Thanks. is happening. It is. It is. <laughs> Have a lovely day. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye.